Hey everybody and welcome to Finding Weird, a show where we explore what it is that floats our boats, tickles our fancies, and makes us wonderfully weird. My name is Eric and I want to welcome you back for part two of the self-reflection and self-discovery double feature. I met Chelsea on the Podcast Nation Facebook page and she actually approached me to preach the good word of the Enneagram. I had never heard of it despite being in social work and therapy circles and was honestly drawn in by her infectious energy. She offered to complete an Enneagram typing session with me free of charge, which, you know, let's be honest, that sweetened the deal. After participating in that, I was impressed by the complex and exhaustive information that can be learned from completing an Enneagram. I was then able to sit down with her to decode my assessment and get some more information for those who may be interested in using the tool for themselves. So here it is, my interview with Chelsea. Hey, everyone, and welcome. We are here with Chelsea Engel, the Enneagram coach, and we are going to talk a little bit about what she does and the weirdness that she learned about and then ended up turning into a profitable business. So Chelsea, how are you today? Good morning. I'm doing well. Um, I am just balancing mom life with, uh, with, you know, coach life and all the things. So normal warning here. <laughs> okay. I'm sure all of our listeners can realize that. Uh, <laughs> even, even myself, we are in the throes of finding a new house. Uh, so that's probably a surprise for some people who are listening to the podcast, but, uh, we are desperately trying to find a home. We are effectively renting slash homeless, uh, because we closed on ours and we have about two and a half weeks to close on something else so that we have a home to live in. Uh, so Not the podcast, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no pressure at all. Nothing. Um, all right. You are drinking a very interesting beverage and I, at the weirdo in me needs to know what, what are you having for? It's just basic. It's a uh, cold brew with some cream in it. And then I make myself some cold foam, which sounds really fancy, but I just bought this little $15 thing on Amazon and I whiz up some um, silk almond milk and put it on top to make myself feel like I went to Starbucks in the morning. But Wow. And it, basically that $15 contraption is a Starbucks in the morning. So Very you are probably <laughs> saving a lot of money. Yes. So it, uh, we obviously, we uh, met online uh, mm -hmm. again, as I'm meeting all of my podcast people in our podcast nation groups and things like that. Uh, and you actually approached me because you were saying, Hey, I do this weird little thing. Um, it's called an Enneagram. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, um, but I would love to come on the podcast and speak of this. And, you know, I, I work in social work as a lot of people know, and uh, this was something I actually was at work when you posted and and I asked my other social worker friends, I said, has anybody heard of an Enneagram? And everyone was like, no. <laughs> um, but once I started to look it up and then once we talked about it, it fits that world very, very well. And so it's something I'm surprised. And, and maybe this is used maybe more in private practice, which is where you came across it. Um, but why don't you give us a little background on kind of what an Enneagram is for, for the layperson who may not know? Yeah, absolutely. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system that suggests that we have, there's nine different types. So Ennea is nine and then Gram is like the diagram or the figure. So when you look up Enneagram, you'll see a circle. Um, then like instead of having 12 numbers, like a clock at the top is the nine and then it goes all the way around. Um, and it talks about each of the nine types has their own core motivations and it suggests that those are the lens through which each of those types see the world. And so although there are nine core types uh, of people, there's uh, variations and interconnectedness between the types. So it doesn't suggest that you are only one way. It doesn't tell you your personality. It tells you those core motivations. So for example, I'm a type two and my core motivation is to be loved and wanted. So then I have certain behaviors um, that I exhibit because I want and I'm running towards wanting that love and be, to be needed. So it basically just kind of gives you that lens and it helps you to understand yourself and how you behave in stress because you go to another number. Um, well, you take on the characteristics of another number 
and stress. And you take on the characteristics of another number and growth. And that's why I love being a coach with the Enneagram because it gives this clear path to understanding your stress responses, as well as how you can start to make some personal growth. And there's also something called the levels of psychological development that were um, created by uh, Riso and Hudson of the Enneagram Institute. And they suggest that each type also has um, unhealthy average and healthy levels of development. And so you can utilize that as well as a growth path. And it's, it's interesting. So for, uh, my listeners who might be kind of into our role playing games and things like that, the, the Enneagram itself and the way it kind of shows, uh, what personality type you are and what you go to in stress and go to in growth, it actually resembles a lot of like an attribute uh, map or chart that you might see in a role-playing game or an online game. Um, so it was pretty interesting to see kind of that information. Uh, and we actually spent some time, you were uh, very, very giving of your time uh, for us to have a complimentary typing session with me. Um, and so I was able to go through um, what seems to be a very simple process um, but in terms of the information that comes out and the techniques that you use, um, actually kind of gets a little complex. And so I know one of the things we talked about is that you could probably find, uh, a way to do an Enneagram online. Um, but you talked a lot about there are some barriers to that. And so why don't you talk a little bit about if somebody just goes Google searching for an Enneagram, what might be some things that they want to look out for that you would maybe caution them against? Absolutely. Yeah. So the system itself is just so intricate and interesting and amazing, but you first have to find your way into it. And that's the barrier just in itself because there are nine types, like I said, but there's also three subtypes that each of us have that can make us look different. Those levels of health that you can act completely differently. Um, and sometimes a lot of the behaviors and a lot of the core fears, motivations, um, all those things are subconscious. And so it's hard for us to be self-aware enough to self-type. But what most people would tell you is, you know, start with an online quiz. There's a ton of free ones. And then you can kind of look into the top types. You can read books. You can read blogs. There's, I have an Instagram account. There's tons of Instagram accounts about the Enneagram and you can just sort of start to feel it out, which one feels most like your type. The barrier with that is the self-awareness piece because you might feel like that feels like what I want to be or that feels like, um, that sounds like me, but the deep understanding and knowing that it's actually got to do with those core um, fears and core desires, that is what creates your type. So the um, free tests are maybe only about 60% accurate. And even the testing that I utilize from the Enneagram Institute, I have found can only be about 60 to 70% accurate with the top scoring type. So having an interview style with a coach like me who's certified in the Enneagram and understands all the nuances will help you to really get to the, the meat of what, what your type is. And I really push on your core desires. So I'm like, would you rather be satisfied and fulfilled or um, safe and secure? And then people will be like satisfied and fulfilled, which is of the type seven, the, the core motivations of the type seven um, the optimist. And I'll be like, are you sure? <laughs> like, what does satisfied and fulfilled mean to you? And then you come to find out that satisfied and fulfilled means safe and secure. So there's just so many levels to it that you can get to. But that's why the best thing to do to get typed and get into the system, and I'm not saying this as a sales point, but you need someone who understands the system that can get you started. And once you know your type, then a lot of it can be self-discovery. And that's the beautiful thing about it is that there's so much to discover on your own and start growing and be aware of all of those, you know, stress pieces that you have or defense mechanisms and, and, and so forth. And, and I can definitely confirm that. So, uh, you know, again, we don't want people to feel like we're selling anything on here. Um, I am not any sort of affiliate program with you. No. Uh, no. I don't, I don't get 15% for every coaching session you do or anything. No. That would be great. Uh, so let's talk about that later. Uh, but anyways, um, no, so, uh, but I, I can attest. I mean, when we were doing my typing session there, the, 
the administering of the tool itself is is fairly simple. You are asking some very kind of um, pointed but true or false questions, you know, and, and I was simply to say, you know, do I feel this is true to me or not? Um, but there were several times that I needed you to clarify, to give additional answers, to to really kind of have me reflect in a different way. I think to be even able to answer that question accurately. Um, and there were several times that I, it, when doing that, that I actually, you know, you kind of surprised me surprising myself and in, in learning about these things because I'm like, uh, you know, I was one of those people that I was like, Oh, I want to be content. I'm, I'm the optimist. Right. And we found out that's not true. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that I actually safety and security was more important to me, but it took, you know, discussing that and kind of exploring that for me to figure those things out. Um, and so I will say that, yeah, absolutely, abs- absolutely having someone walk you through that process, I think was helpful. Um, and so if, if you could, cause I know you, you know, this like the back of your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you walk us through, um, maybe those nine personality types and, and what they kind of represent? So you said, you know, you're a two. Um, we found out that I am a six. Um, and so can you walk through what each of those are so people can kind of get a feel for what those kind of larger buckets may look like? Yes, absolutely. So um, there is kind of nicknames for each of the nine types, and those are mostly just to sort of help keep track because until you know the system, just saying type two, type three doesn't mean anything. And so Mm -hmm. don't get caught up in the nicknames because they're basically just there for that reason only as like a title to a much deeper book, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so sometimes people hear that and they're like, well, I'm a perfectionist, so that must be who I am. Um, It's very surfacey on that level. So um, just give that kind of, give that out before I start kind of a thing. Um, But yeah, so there are nine types. I'll start with type nine, uh, which is at the top of the Enneagram. um, And they're called the peacekeeper or peacemaker. And their core desire is to be um, at peace. So peace and serenity is, is their core desire. They fear conflict, separation. And so the motivation for them is to stay at that peaceful, calm space. And their core weakness is sloth. So they have to work against this um, this sloth to, to kind of get into action. And that's because they're more peaceful when they're in that sloth like state. Mm-hmm. So they have the, this, um, the problem of sleepwalking because they kind of get into this state of their mind where they're comfortable and they feel good and peaceful and nothing's messing with this serenity. But the next thing they know, it's been five years and they haven't pursued their passions. And so, um, a type nine person, uh, is, is fearing that conflict. And so they kind of do whatever they can to stay away from it, but they are good at mediating conflict. Uh, type one is called the moral perfectionist and their core fear, or excuse me, their core desire is to be good and right. And their core fear is being bad or corrupt or evil. And so they run from that corruption and evil and they really try their best to um, be measured and be very, like they know the right way of how to do things in their minds and they, they really want to do it that right way. And they, they want to um, work on like if a, an emotion comes in that they feel, feel is wrong, they will change that emotion to what they feel is right and project that out. Um, and they, they struggle with resentment because other people aren't being as good as them. And so that's a type one. And then type two is me. I'm the helper, the protective helper. Um, And so our core desires are to be loved and wanted and our core fears are to be unneeded, unloved, unwanted. Um, And a lot of moms or caretakers will mistype as a two because uh, we do a lot of helping. So we take on others' needs. We're very empathic and we just know what others' needs are and we're the first ones to jump in and do that because we want others to need and love us. So we also struggle with resentment and pride because we believe our help is the best help. And so <laughs> we sometimes step on our, on other people's toes to try to be the best helper um, and think we know the best. But um, in growth, you find that you need to more worry about yourself and be more an, an individualist. And um, so that's a type two. 
Uh, the type three is called the successful achiever and their core desire is to be, uh, successful. So, um, they, they're fear of failure and they push and they go and they're a hundred percent and they, uh, have this thing where they push down their emotions so that they, cause they get in the way of them getting things done. So they're your go-getters, they're, they want to look good and they're chameleons. So they kind of change their behavior to fit where they are so that they can be as valuable as possible to that situation. Um, so their core or their weakness is deceit because they deceive themselves and others to who they really are. And they start losing themselves because they're so you just trying to be successful and be seen. So if you would get people from the gym, people from um, work, people from home, whatever, and bring them all together, they would know a different version of this person because they're changing who they are in order to be valuable there. So obviously that's part of their growth path is to start learning what their actual accord wants are. Um, the type four is the romantic individualist and they, um, they want to be special and unique. And so their core fear is just being mundane and just being like, um, yeah, normal. And they want to be, they want to have their own special, unique stamp on the world. So a lot of times people think of them as artists and things like that because they want to show themselves creatively. Um, they struggle with envy because they feel like they're missing something special about themselves. And if they just had that one last missing piece, um, that they would then be this unflawed individual that they feel that they can be. Um, the type five is the observer and they are the, um, they have, they want to be competent and capable and they fear being incompetent and incapable. And so they're, everything with them is like, it's, they're all in their head and they sit back, they observe, they're the most withdrawn type of all of the Enneagram. They sit back and watch and they make their um, observations. They don't say a lot about themselves and they're very, unemotional because they just like to, um, they like to, uh, kind of what I want to say, be with others with their knowledge only. So if you, if you talk to them about something they love, they will talk forever. But if you ask them about themselves, they're probably not going to give you much. And their struggle is with, uh, it's called hoarding, but it's hoarding their time, energy, and resources. So they run out of their resources more quickly. And they, they kind of have this gas tank of knowing I only have so much to give today. And then they shut down after that point. And so it's the scarcity mindset they come from. And then the type six is the loyal skeptic and, um, their core fear is fear itself and their core desire is safety and security. And so all of their actions come from this and, um, they're the most anxious. Their weakness is anxiety because obviously the tension they feel between wanting security and fearing you know, insecurity just creates this kind of circle, uh, of, of overthinking. And they have, um, the core differentiator for them is this inner committee. So that I like to think of them as having a little table of people in their head. It's all little me, little mini me's and they're all going around kind of arguing their point of why something should, what, what choice you should make. Well, but what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Sometimes it's worst case scenario thinking. Sometimes it's just, going over the scenarios in your mind to think about. And all of that is to find security. All of that is for them to understand and make a good decision. So they need, they need this optimal distance because they, they need someone close enough to them that they feel secure, but not too close because they also want to try to trust themselves. But that, that creates kind of that issue of anxiety within them because if someone's not close enough, uh, back and forth. So they're amazing problem solvers because they've already thought of all of the problems through their head. <laughs> and type seven is the enthusiastic optimist and they, um, their core desire is to be satisfied and fulfilled and, um, their weakness is gluttony. So they're like the more, more, more people, um, they're scattered and busy and they say yes to everything and usually end up showing up to only about 10% of things. And, um, they, yeah, they fear like just not, they fear like just not having, they fear like not being satisfied basically. And they're looking for that contentment, but at the same time will never feel content because they have a bucket that's got a hole in it that they just keep trying to fill with more experiences. It could be more like, 
yes, some people think traveling with them, but honestly, it could just be like more learning experiences, more like it's just through, give me some more, give me some more, give me some more. Cause maybe this one thing is what's going to be that satisfies me finally, you know? Um, you can see where that could lead to some trouble. <laughs> and the type eight finally is the, um, protective challenger and they fear being betrayed and they want to be powerful and they, they want to be in charge and in control. And so they are the highest energy of all of the Enneagram types. And a lot of times you'll meet a type eight and kind of think, wow, that person's kind of a butthead, but they're not. They just have so much energy and passion for everything that they're doing that they come off as very intense and they do truly want to be in charge. And so they have that in charge energy and they, um, their core weakness is lust and they lust after intense experiences and that intensity can come off as a lot. As you can see for all the different types, you know, if you're a type five and you're quiet and back and whatever, and you're with a type eight who's very out there in your face, what it you can see how the dynamics can kind of work together with that. So those are all of the nine types and just a little bit about them. And, and it's interesting. I, I think this is something that, um, you know, as I'm hearing these types and, and the way that this process works is that these personality types and these characteristics and things are, we're all going to have pieces of these things. So as I'm listening, you know, I'm going, Oh yes, you know, six definitely is where, where my home base is, but I'm, I'm part nine. There's some seven in there. Uh, if, if I get really passionate and I've had way too much coffee, then some eight comes out and, you know, like, and so I think that's interesting is that, you know, we're going to see pieces of this. And, and as you described, when we're in moments of stress, we take on characteristics of something else. When we are very fulfilled and stress free and we're growing and we're doing really great for ourselves, we take on characteristics of something else. And so I, I was listening to that and I'm going, Oh, I work with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I know. I know this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember seeing this one at the library. Um, you know, and it's, it's a very interesting thing. So I know, you know, one of the more popular personality types out there that a lot of people talk about, we were just talking about it in the office the other day is the Myers Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, everybody's like, Oh, what's your MB profile and all mm-hmm. of this stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm an J, I'm MFJ, you know, all these things. Um, and so this is another, another tool, but this one just gets so much more in depth. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that I liked is that after we did this typing session, you know, you were showing me not only am I a six, um, but there is the, like you said, the subsets of six. And so, you know, I, I have been and will continue to be an open book on the podcast. So if you don't mind, I mean, we can use me as the six. If you want to go in and kind of share a little bit about kind of what those subsets look like and kind of what those next steps are once you've figured out that someone is, say, a six. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the journey is difficult because, okay, I'm a six. So now what exactly? And there's common things that people have heard about, like the wings. And then there's also the instinctual stacking, which is that subset that you're talking about. So the first thing that usually people look into as a variant to their type is their wings. Um, the wings are the numbers that are directly to the right and left of your type. And so when you hear me talking about a type six, the two types would be right next door to you would be the type five the observer who's more withdrawn and they're wanting to be competent and capable. So they like to research things and they have like kind of obsessive hobbies that they want because they want to be as competent and capable in their areas they can be. And then the type seven is that optimist. And so the kind of buddy person who's up for anything wants to go do all the different things and experience life that way and kind of more extroverted, if you will. Um, And so you, you can lean into both wings for different reasons, but usually Mm -hmm. you have a more dominant wing it feels more comfortable for you. And so that's the first step is kind of looking into those two types. I love the Enneagram because through learning about yourself, you will then learn about the in-depth about each of the types as you go deeper with your journey. And then you can understand the people around you in the world so much better because you're like, oh, I have part of that in me. And that's why I get along with this person. Or that's why this person and I 
Like they grind my gears and I cannot get along with them. (laughs) So once you figure out your wings, which really is self-discovery, it really is. It's like learning Mm -hmm. about each of those types and looking at it. Um, Then you can kind of see how you can access those for growth. Because if you want to grow into one of your wings more, then look into the high side of that type, like the the higher... um, healthier aspects of that type that you admire and just start taking on some of those pieces. As far as the instinctual stacking, which is what you were talking about with those variants in your type, the type six is the most interesting of all this of the nine types. Thank because, you. Because yes, I love, I love my sixes. I, I really do. My best friend's a six and she's my go-to problem solver. Um, there is three subtypes. So you have or instinctual variants. So you have sexual or one-to-one. So it doesn't have to do with like the sexual piece of it. It's the intensity and passion at which you kind of go after things, uh, as well as that need to have that one-to-one connection with people. Uh, there's social, which obviously has to do with you wanting to be a part of a social group and, you know, belonging in the social world. And then self-preservation, which has to do with resourcing yourself physically. So how you, you spend your money and your resources and sometimes even your emotional resources as well. People forget emotions are a resource. So I always add that in there. Um, we all have all three, but we just access them at a different level. So for a type six, um, a, they have also, so each of the, um, types has their, um, their weakness and it's your, yours as a type six is anxiety Mm -hmm. and your core fear is fear itself. And so two of those subtypes go kind of along with that, like self-preservation and fear, those energies go together, right? Mm -hmm. Like I want to preserve myself. I want to take care of my resources and also social. I want to take care of people. I want to make sure I'm along with this group, right? All those things go together. But the one-to-one subtype, that intensity, that passion, and that need for one-to-one connection doesn't go along with that core fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And so therefore it's the counter type. And in because anxiety is that is that weakness, you have the phobic and the counterphobic sixes. So the social and self-preservation look similar to each other, but that counter type of the one-to-one or sexual subtype is completely the opposite. So they are the fight in the face of fear. They come up against fear and they look a lot like that type eight challenger where they're like, oh no, you are not going to mess with me, you know, and they come up against that. So we talked a little bit about subtypes, but if you want to open up and kind of share a little bit about what you learned or what you thought about for yourself. Yeah. So the, it's interesting. I think we kind of talked about with the way um, I approach and, and the way my anxiety works and things, I would probably not really ever see myself on the, the sexual or one-to-one um, piece unless I was pushed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be like we talked about kind of when things build up to a point with my anxiety and I, I can't maintain the control, the unhealthy side of my anxiety would come out as that side. Mm-hmm. So it would come out as that passionate, uh, oppositional kind of person where at that point you're going to see the passion come out and you're not going to be able to mess with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it mirrors, I think my want for the self-preservation and that safety. And so it's a way of me kind of fighting back just enough to get somebody to leave me alone mm-hmm. or to let me maintain my status quo because status quo is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how that comes out. Um, in terms of that social side, I, there's definitely a little bit of social there too. Um, so I think in terms of the three that ranks, you know, kind of second, mm-hmm. you know, in importance, um, because, there are times that I do want to make sure that I am maintaining as part of the group, that I'm part of the team. Um, I enjoy spending a lot of time on my own, but anyone who knows me can attest that like there's a time where that expires and I have to be with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do kind of fight to keep that group. So whether that's my Dungeons and Dragons group or that's going to the gym with my gym bro or, you know, my work colleagues and things like that, I definitely do those things as well. Um, but definitely that self-preservation, that anxiety side um, is obviously strongest in me. Um, and so there is a lot of fear there um, in terms of like you were talking about the wings. Um, you know, my 
my college crew who knew me when I was studying opera and was doing more of that outgoing me, me, me personality type stuff. That's when I was leaning towards that seven pretty hard. And, Mm -hmm. um, my wife was actually surprising. So this is a story when we first hung out with my college crew, um, and we all decided to go have drinks and go out to a restaurant and stuff, um, at a local place around here. And, um, I took charge of the group at, at points. And so we were like heading from place to place and I was like, let's go. And I'm, you know, I'm out there and I'm doing all this stuff. And my wife looked at me, um, and was like, I've never seen this side of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they, that side of me, that extroverted site went away when mm-hmm. I left that college scene and, and moved to social work and things like that, it became more introspective. And mm-hmm. that's when I became the five kind of leaning more into that side is that I'm going to observe, I'm going to listen, um, you know, I'm going to really take a look at my surroundings again to make sure that there's self-preservation and safety there. Um, and so it's, it's been really interesting, I think with that. And so for me, all of these things just kind of seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, which is the thing I like about the Enneagram. Like yeah. it's, it's not so much, um, it's not so much horoscope. You know, because I think that was the thing I was nervous about at first was that it's going to be so general that it's going to describe me because it technically will describe everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually kind of the opposite. Like, I think maybe in some of those personality characteristics, yes, you're going to hear a lot about, oh, I can do some of this and some of that. But when you really start to get down into the complexities of it, it really starts to zone in on who you are. It's scary um, how accurate it is. It, and it, it is. Reads, it kind of reads your inner person, like your inner witness is what I try to help others develop um, mm-hmm. with my coaching. And so just hearing you kind of reflecting about how you were in the past and, and how you are now with your wings, that's a very, very common experience um, with people who've done some self-growth work or made changes or shifts in their life. A lot of times when you're younger, you lean into more one wing and then like you grow into another wing, you know, and, and you have access to both. It's super cool. And I get nervous when people hear like, oh yeah, you go to this number and stress, this and growth, this is your wing, whatever. It's like, so it's just some fake thing that you just do all of them. It's like, no, there's specific purposes in, in which you can learn about yourself. And the, my favorite part about each of those things is, is that you can learn about how to grow and stretch yourself mm-hmm. and understand the shadow side of each of these issues where for yourself, you can be comfortable, like, yeah, I'm all right being this way, whatever. Um, but when you start to face some of the shadows and understanding, like your actions are all coming from this core fear of fear itself. And you look throughout the week and you're like, I just did that because I was actually afraid of something happening. You know, mm-hmm. it just takes you to a deeper level of, of like getting deeper into your subconscious and, and developing that inner witness. And so I completely agree with any other thing like horoscopes. Fine. Um, Myers-Briggs. Okay. Disc assessment. Great. But none of those helped me to understand how to grow as a person. I knew mm-hmm. my personality from those. They tell you little snippets about yourself, but, but within the Enneagram, you have this, this beautiful like path that is laid out. If you, if you should choose to take it to like a better version of yourself that you feel more confident, secure and, like, wow, like I got, I, you know, and you see that growth and I don't know, I'm, I'm a two with a three wing. So I love achieving and I'm like, I moved up a level or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say. So yeah, it's, it is weird though, because I tell people, I'm like, you know, I go up to them and I'm like, they're like, so what do you do for a living? I used to be a teacher. So it was very simple to tell people what I did. I'm a teacher. Right. And, um, I had to leave teaching for many reasons. That's another podcast, but, um, being a one-to-one type two, um, I want to help everyone. Uh, but with being the one-to-one subtype, I really need those connections, those deep one-to-one connections. And I was trying to do that with 20 kids in the classroom and I was giving so much of myself that I lived in my stress and it just was making me sick. And so now that I get to connect one-to-one with people who are interested in growing and learning, and I get to use my teaching aspects of things, I'm able to be a better version of myself that I've never like even knew could exist because it connects so much closer to who I really am at my core. And so well, now when I tell people, I'm like, I'm an Enneagram coach. And they're like, you're a who? A what? Like, <laughs> what's an Enneagram coach? What do you do? And I'm like... 
grab a coffee. It's going to take a minute. (laughs) I have an elevator speech, but so it's just, it is weird. Um, but I kind of love that it's weird. I love having a weird job. So. Mm It's, it's interesting. I've, I've talked about this on many, many episodes. So anyone who's listened to this going, this is going to sound familiar, but every person I talk to in interview on the show, I end up developing this, ooh, I want to do that mentality to everything they present. And so (laughs) is it? Okay. So there you go. So, so the seven in me, uh, was like, no, I want to try skydiving. I want to yep. do, you know, professional wrestling, you know, all these things I've talked to people. Um, and this, this to me, I think is one of those neat tools that if I was going to do some sort of like a one-on-one coaching or, or kind of even private practice social work and those sorts of things, this is something that I would definitely want to bring in. Um, now obviously you heard me earlier that like I would still try to way to find a, to marry this with like, my role playing games oh, so that I could still be like geeky, nerdy, Enneagram guy. 100%. Um, but, uh, it, it's definitely one of those things that I, I think definitely my, um, social work friends or my counseling friends and stuff who listen to the podcast as well are probably going to find this really interesting. And some of them probably have already heard of Enneagrams because, Ooh. uh, definitely my counselor friends are just well, definitely more knowledge than I am in some of these things. Um, but I think this just makes sense to me. So, uh, I think like you've talked about the, the pathing, the categorizing, um, and I guess this leans into the five of me of the observer, but like, I like putting things in, uh, buckets and yeah. kind of putting things and being like, Oh, that's why that happens. I think that's a sixth thing for you because it feels safe and secure that you can okay. like, categorize it in your mind of being a thing. Right. Yeah. I love, I mean, I watch a movie and I'm like, Oh, that person's a type this. And like, you'll talk to any, any certified Enneagram person or into the Enneagram. You shouldn't type another person because behavior does not equal motivation. Mm -hmm. You can get a feeling of what someone might be, but you don't know what that person's core motivations are. Um, so like you can definitely in your mind kind of put like, Oh, they're probably more assertive aggressive type. So they might be a three, seven or eight. And you can kind of like get their vibes and like be around them and, and categorize them that way. Um, but I, I do it. So don't worry about it, but I type people like, yeah. I'm like, I think you're this, but at the same time, I understand the entire system, you know? And mm-hmm. when I first started doing it, I mistyped my best friend. I mistyped all these people because in my mind, I was like, they're just like this. But even if you're using it surface level to put people into buckets to help yourself feel more secure in, in, in understanding them and working with them or knowing why they might be some kind of a way. Think of how much deeper you're connecting with that person mm-hmm. because you're trying to understand them. And that's what I absolutely love. There's so many things I love about the Enneagram, but it brings people together in this, in this deeper way because you understand, wow, that core weakness that you have, I have a core weakness too that I'm trying to work against all the time. And you have a core weakness as well that is just as hard and difficult for you, but it's different than mine. So I don't have to take it personally when you behave or act a different way from me towards me (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's your, that's you and your journey. And so for someone like me who wants to be loved and needed, and I hate it when people don't like me, I don't take it personally anymore because I recognize that they have their lens that they're viewing the world from. And so, yes, putting people in buckets, it's like, it's just, it just helps you to go like, how could I approach this person? Um, and how might I approach them if I'm going to try to talk to them about something? I mean, it's great for couples. It's great for teams. It's great for just any individual who wants to get to know themselves and understand how they work in the world. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, Ultimately, kind of the message that I'm hearing in that is that you begin to focus more on other people, period. And so you stop, um, you stop glazing over relationships and you stop glazing over interactions with others. And it actually makes you take that extra second and it, and it develops an empathy for the other person that, you know, yes, this person might be, uh, you know, an eight. Um, and so they're high, they're high energy, they're high conflict, they're, you know, all of these things, you know, they are lusting after life and all of this stuff. And, and like you said, you're the five, you're the introverted observer and all of these things. And so you're kind of like 
I don't really like that. But because you're able to see that person for who they are, you're able to understand. And so it's, it's less likely that that person is, like you said, just an asshole who's trying to piss everyone off. And it's more that just this is part of their personality type. This is the way they interact with the world. This is the way we're going to see them. Um, and I like the fact that, like you said, every number has its weakness. And so you know that there is a more nuanced reason behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love that. It's teaching empathy. It's encouraging empathy, um, which is something that I, I really feel has diminished in society mm-hmm. um, with the lack of human interaction and the increase in digital interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not taking the time to think about others point of views. Um, and so I, I really like this tool for that. Um, you know, for, for someone, how, how difficult is it? Obviously for, for my podcast listeners, um, you guys are going to have all the links to Chelsea's information and coaching program and all of those things. How, how difficult is it or how, I guess, universal is finding an Enneagram coach right now? Is it still very niche or is it something where, you know, you can Google search and find someone in your area? Um, you know, I will say it's definitely a growing industry. The Enneagram has been around for many, many years and some people have been working with it since, I don't know, like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like all throughout. It just is having a resurgence right now. And then with, you know, being online coaching being available, I feel like that kind of made this market a little bit more doable for people. So, um, I know I am, I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, and I think that there's like a handful, literally a handful of coaches here in Des Moines. Um, and we have a population of upwards of 800,000, you know, in this area. Um, so, I mean, if you look up Enneagram coach on Instagram, you're going to find a bunch of people trying to do it. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? It's, 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 um, it's not difficult to find. Some people do, um, you know, the one-to-one coaching is what I do. Some people do like you can do a self-paced Enneagram learning experience if you want to do that. Um, what I would also recommend, which is a book that I'll, that I'm going to share with you too, is it's called, um, the Enneagram guide to waking up, find your path, face your shadow, discover your true self. It's just an amazing book that helps you, uh, you know, it's basically what I would do in an eight week coaching experience in a chapter. So take your time and really, you know, take some time to digest it because it's a lot um, in a book, but you can really do the journey on your own. If you, if you're the kind of person who can be very, you know, self-reflective and, and, you know, and honest, that, honest with yourself. It's so yeah. hard now. Like it's so honest, hard. Yeah. Uh, to do that. So yeah, follow different coaches. Like there's always people who are asking questions or doing like lives and things like that. So it's just a fun community. And there's always people trying to understand like, you know, I'm a type two and I'm in a relationship with a type nine, like what happens with that? And just deeper questions and deeper connections. I love the conversations I get in with people in my DMs because it's not just about like something cute. It's a deep dive conversation Mm -hmm. about things. And you know, all my friends, of course, I made them get obsessed with it too. And now every, everyone there working, they're like, do you know what your Enneagram type is? And like, bro, it's just going on with it. So it's a great conversation starter as well. Um, if you're kind of a more private person or a, have a difficulty, like, you know, getting to know other people, um, it's a really good way if you're introverted to start kind of understanding others. And it was interesting because when you said, you know, if it's a type five and they're with a type eight, um, a type five in growth moves to the healthy side of an eight. And so you're almost always going to be growing towards that, um, that completely opposite type of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, and so finding people in your life that you can connect with that fill that, that for you. So you can learn from them as a person, like see that like type eight person who's in health and go, wow, like I can take on these characteristics. And yeah, they're, they're a bon vivant. They actually enjoy life. They love see, you know, yes. and here I am just sitting back and watching and yeah. So you asked me about one thing and I started talking about a million things. So I'll just say, I think Enneagram coaching is still somewhat niche, but at the same time, there's thousands of coaches and a lot of people do take this down the more, um, 
religious root. And so I am non secular. Like I don't take any religious uh, pieces for myself. It's mm-hmm. a spiritual type of activity when you're, re- you know, really thinking about yourself and like trying to move up levels and all this stuff. But I don't connect like Christianity with it or whatever. But if there's people who kind of find that as an interesting piece, yeah, then there are coaches who are in that realm. So just kind of be, I would say be aware that you might see some people connecting religious aspects to it. Um, so follow what, what fits best for you. Um, I think it's best to separate the two, but you know, no shade whatsoever to people who find that connection for that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously have links to your program with, uh, elite Enneagram coaching and things. Um, and if you could speak just for, you know, I guess my, knowledge. And for those listening, you talked about, you specifically have gone through like a certification program. Yes. Um, and so what, what kind of, what does that look like for somebody who may be interested in becoming a coach and is wanting to follow, you know, a lot of us have professional licensure and things like that, but like, mm-hmm. how, how did you go through that certification process? Yeah, absolutely. So I researched a few, um, I was looking for one that wasn't religious based. So that took out a decent amount of them. There's a lot of them that are also business oriented. So people want to be business coaches and they utilize this tool in like corporate worlds. And, um, that wasn't what I was thinking. I mean, maybe eventually, but I knew I wanted that one-to-one connection with people. So I found the Enneagram university, which, um, had a three tier program that was the knowledge of the Enneagram coaching, uh, which for me, the coaching side of things, I had been an instructional coach for 11 years um, with a school district. So I had a lot of coaching experience, but for people who don't have coaching experience, they had the coaching aspects in there. So how do you, you know, how to be a good coach. And then the third is like the business aspect of it. So that was one for me. I was like, I have no idea how to run a business. I've been a teacher for 11 years. Like I don't know the business aspect. So for me, that program was um, was key. And there, there's also like a part of it where you are, um, doing kind of a group coaching experience. Um, and you have to do, you know, you have to, um, do typing sessions with people and turn those in and have them, you know, have feedback from the instructor and you, you know, it helps you build out your program. And there's, there's a whole community of us that are all a part of the Enneagram university that meet every single month. So you build community through it. So it basically had everything that I was looking for. Um, but there are those different ones that are just like quick online, you know, go through and, uh, 10 hours later you have it, but this was like a full on, it took me several months to like go through everything and get fully certified and do all of the things. So. So we, we talk about uh, the podcast itself being finding weird, that weird is not just weird as an odd, but weird as in destiny. Um, and so I think it's pretty obvious with what we've discussed today, how somebody would use the Enneagram uh, to find their weird. Um, but for someone who may be struggling uh, with mental health or, or trying to find some of that motivation and things, can you give us a, a nice sum up of what the Enneagram is going to help with that and kind of how, how the Enneagram helps make the world better? Oh, absolutely. So um, I'm just super passionate about how it can help someone come awake to themselves and start appreciating those things about themselves that they've always kind of hated, like that they've always felt like, why can't I just get past this? And so you can take power over that and you can see this path of like, of leaning into these aspects of yourself that you know are there. Um, and so for me, becoming a more individualist person and not relying on others and leaning into that path has just helped me to like, really find my weird because I'm like, I'm not going to try to, to be what others want me to be. I'm going to be myself. And that was so empowering for me. And whenever my clients find that space, it's like within a couple of weeks where they're like, Oh my gosh, like I'm doing this, I'm changing my behaviors. Um, and I'm feeling so much more fulfilled now in life because I can embrace who I truly am and understand myself at a level that I never could before. And um, owning that self-confidence and self-power is just something that's like a beautiful thing for people. And so I feel like it's the connections you make with others. If you're the same type as someone, it's the biggest thing for me is that self-confidence that you can get like just 
on your own, knowing who you are and why you do the things you do so you can finally start making those changes for yourself and just connecting um, connecting with people in a deeper, more uh, like, I don't know, just the level where you're not just surfacely like, oh, what's the weather today? You can talk about how they're struggling with things. You can ask them about what they're working on. Like, it's just a, a great way to have a deeper conversation with people. So if, if you're the kind of person who's sick of just being like scrolling through Instagram and being like, what's on here today? Learn about yourself, <laughs> learn about others and um, make connections. Like you said, you already have people in your mind and it's buckets and you're like, now I want to understand them deeper. And how beautiful is that? Like, I just love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We will obviously, again, have links to your personal coaching. Uh, I think I may have already invited you, but if not, we're going to invite you to the Facebook group of Finding Weirdos um, so that you're there as a resource for people. A lot of the other guests on the show are there to help answer questions and just be a part of this weird community. Um, we'll, of course, link to any Facebook groups and things like that as well for you. Your Instagram, uh, you were kind enough to already make your profile for the website on findingweird.com. Uh, so when this episode comes out, hopefully next Sunday, as long as we are not crazy still house searching and things like that. Uh, but you know, once I have secure housing, uh, I'll make sure that we, you know, when we get this out, you'll be tagged on that episode. So people can again, find you, see you, uh, and reach out to you. Thank you so much for your time. I know you have some hair that you have to go do, uh, to get your little one ready for the day. Um, uh, a mom, yeah, a mom's, a mom's job is never done. Um, but thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. It was great. And I'd love to connect with anybody. Don't be shy to send me a message. I will have like, I love just like having conversations with people and helping them figure out their type. And there's no obligation ever. I'm not here to make money. I'm here to just like connect people with Enneagram. So yes, reach out. And um, I can't wait to be a part of the, the weirdo community. Sounds good. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. And now for some dad jokes of the week. I actually have an Irish friend who has a great personality. It's always bouncing off the walls. Oh, no, his name is Rick O'Shea. Do you know which personality trait is the most cleansing? Good moral fiber. My wife told me that I have a magnetic personality, but I wasn't sure if that's a positive or a negative. And finally, one for Chelsea. What do you call an Enneagram 9 cow? Lactose intolerant. You're welcome. I want to thank you for being here for episode 28 of Finding Weird. Please share this episode with someone you know who might need a laugh or maybe struggling with their own mental health. I know I'd really appreciate it. Remember that you can email me at findingweirdpodcast at gmail.com, visit the website at findingweird.com, and if you got value from this or any previous episode, feel free to leave me a tip if you want at buymeacoffee.com slash findingweird. No pressure. Remember, we're doing all of this so that you can help Lily and I share the message that Weird is wonderful. I'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.